was there a point where you started really identifying with the label scammer? Yeah, I was a scammer. I was definitely a scammer. And I, I've, I've been a scammer with, a, with an exception, like with a, with a footnote, let's say. Okay, what's the footnote? Uh, a scammer that cheats cheaters. A few weeks ago, I sat down with this guy. Just call me Victor. Like, this is a fake name, obviously, but yeah, call me Victor. Okay, Victor. Victor didn't start out as a scammer. He kind of stumbled into this life. His story starts last June, a few months into the pandemic. Victor, who lives in Spain, was in an engineering graduate program, and he had this intense exam coming up. For a subject called electrical machinery, it was mm-hmm. a hard subject, and I just hadn't studied enough for it. I knew it. I, like, I knew I was going to fail. This was a new feeling for Victor. He'd eased through high school and college, barely studied. His friends joked he was the smart, overconfident one in the group, always believing in himself. But now, at 25, that only went so far. He was really struggling with this class. If he failed the exam, he'd have to take the class again, and worse, tell his parents. His parents, especially his dad, always pushed Victor to apply himself, to be the top of his class. If he failed, he knew they'd chew him out, be really disappointed. So, desperate to ace this exam, Victor went searching for a lifeline. Because of the pandemic, classes and exams had moved online, and he figured, why not use that to his advantage? I just started looking online on on sites like um, Craigslist, and and I came across this dude that said that he would take college exams. Oh, wow. It's that easy. Uh, Yeah, I guess. For a price, this dude he found online helps students cheat. That was exactly what Victor was looking for. So he reached out. I asked, how much are you going to charge me? He said 50 euros. 50 euros for this guy to feed Victor answers during his exam. Basically nothing. So I figured I may have struck gold. It almost felt too easy. He said, yes, please, wired the money. And when the exam day rolled around, Victor was pumped. He filled up his water bottle, set up his laptop in the study in his parents' house like always, downloaded the PDF of the test from his professor and sent it to his personal cheater. And he texts me uh, a bunch of numbers, like A, minus 1, B, 0.4, C, Mm -hmm. 520. And I look at the exam, and the first question is uh, a diagram. Okay. You have to draw, you have to actually draw uh, like like an electrical circuit. (laughs) So I was like, dude, are you sure this is the answer? And he was like, just copy the answers and you'll be fine. But he started bullshitting me answers. Every answer that came through seemed more ridiculous than the one before it. Victor couldn't believe it. And I was like, what are you even talking about, man? Like, get the fuck out of here. Victor had paid him with no guarantee he'd actually do well on the exam. And it's not like there's any 1-800-cheaters customer service Victor could report this guy to. Victor ended up passing the test just barely. But in no part because of this cheater. No, he'd fully gotten scammed. I got scammed out of 50 euros. Now, most people would be mad if this happened to them, even if, you know, they're in the wrong too. Maybe they'd try to report this person or seek revenge. But that, that is not this story. This is the story of someone who got scammed and felt inspired, who thought, whoa, maybe I should do this too. I, I thought it was very easy. Cheating the cheaters was potentially lucrative, and I could do it. So I just set it up, like, the very next day. What? Yeah. 
I'm Rima Grace, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show for Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. This whole season, we've been looking into scams, both literal scams and how the world is set up to leave many of us just feeling cheated. On today's show, the last show of our season, we're going to the other side of the equation, to the side of the story you rarely get to hear. We go with Victor into the life of a scammer, how he set up the scam, how he hit his tracks, how he feels about what he did. In his story, it brings up questions of how we justify our less-than-admirable actions, especially if no one is around to judge them but ourselves. After getting scammed, Victor became fixated on this idea. Could he pull off the same exact thing? Could he cheat cheaters out of their money too? This was last June at the height of the pandemic. Victor no longer had basketball practice and wasn't seeing much of his girlfriend. He had a lot of time on his hands. So one sunny afternoon, sitting in his room at his parents' house with the windows open and the birds chirping, he went for it. It was very easy. I just had to place an ad on our Craigslist. And uh, that was it. His fake ad laid out the fake basics. I'm a college teacher. Been teaching for 15 years. Specialties include... Engineering, thermodynamics, calculus, algebra. That was true-ish. Those are subjects he'd actually studied. And he said he'd help students ace their online exams. Wink, wink, nod, nod. I was implying that I was going to help you cheat your exam, but not in a way that would hold up in a court. Victor double-checked the ad for spelling errors, took a deep breath hit post, and closed his laptop. Excited, but also nervous. He knew if he got caught, he'd probably get expelled from school, and his parents would be livid. Oh, it would, it, that would be devastating. That would be a disaster because I, I, was, I was on the verge of finishing uh, my degree, so it would mean starting over at another school, my parents uh, having to pay for it or making me get another job to pay for it, and it would have been like a total mess and total shit show. How do you go about hiding your identity with all these ads that you're posting? Oh, the thing, (laughs) this is very funny. The way I did it was uh, I set up a fake Gmail account. And for the account name, I went on LinkedIn and I went uh, to my college and I picked out out the name of some dude that was around 40, 35, I don't know. And I made my Gmail account with his name so that if somebody would, Google him, and they would see, oh my God, this dude is real. So Wait, but it, aren't you in effect then posing as someone else and like could possibly hurt their no, reputation? Because, because I'm, not, I'm not posing as anyone else, I'm just using a fake name. Okay, a bit of mental gymnastics there, but not identity theft, just a fake email with a real name that belonged to someone else. Under no circumstances would he share his personal info, his name, number, or email address. Sure, there was still a risk, but he thought, why work hard when there was such easy money out there, an easy way to scam cheaters? But it's just so funny because you were on the other side of that. Yeah, because I just thought they're cheaters. If they cheated, they they deserve it. The same way I deserved it. So I didn't feel any remorse about uh, trying to cheat and being cheated. So I figured other people shouldn't. Within hours, the cheaters came a-knockin'. Victor was at home as usual because of the pandemic, playing a game on his phone, when he got a notification. An email asking if he could help with a final for fluid mechanics, this engineering course. He'd reeled in his first customer. 
I felt pretty good because I felt, hey, man, this is working. So let's get down to business. And he thought, okay, my ad says I've been doing this for a long time. Got to lean into that. Make it sound like I'm running a legit professional operation. I must have a very standardized way of doing things. So Victor emailed the guy back. Hey, thanks for getting in touch. Here's what I do with everyone I work with. Send me your syllabus, test prep material, and time of exam. If I agree I can do it, I charge 50 euros an hour. The student emailed back. Cool. I'm in. When he was talking to me, he was talking to me uh, with his very own email account. And also when he gave me the PDF files from his uh, syllabus and everything, uh, he didn't erase the college name. He didn't erase the teacher's name. So uh, he gave me everything. He had all of the cheater's personal information. So if the student threatened to report Victor, Victor had something over the student too. And for this three-hour exam, Victor told the student it was going to run 150 euros, half up front. It felt kind of unreal because I was looking at my PayPal account, just refreshing, and then suddenly I had 75 euros. When the day of the exam rolled around, Victor took his first official plunge into the world of scamming. He set up shop in the study just like he was doing his own homework so his parents wouldn't get suspicious. He filled up his water bottle, settled into his chair, and started sending this guy bogus answers. And he said, hey, these numbers don't really add up to the ones that I'm being given in my exam. Hmm. And I was like, yo, just put it on. Trust me, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Literally exactly what the original scammer had done to Victor. And he started threatening me. He was like, yo, give me my money back. And I was like, yo. And, and I was like, I'm not giving you any back. This is where having the guy's personal info came in handy. Victor made it clear to the student he knew everything about him. And I just said, hey, David Perez, con ID. He used the guy's full name, age, school, his teacher. And I was like, yo, if you don't quit it, I'm going to out you. And he just, he just calmed down. Victor blocked the student and moved on. Like, how did that feel? My heart was racing while I was doing mm. my first exam, but I didn't exactly know why. I guess it was a mixture of feeling bad because I was actually doing the, uh, the, the scamming. And then I also got a feeling of, of power when I managed to, to, you know, to handle the situation. After that first exam, scamming began to feel like just a regular job. It was the middle of the June exam period, and Victor's inbox started blowing up. It felt like every university was filled with cheaters begging him for help. It was mostly for engineering exams, since that's what he'd advertised as his expertise. But if he got an email about another subject, like from someone in med school, he wouldn't turn it down. Instead, he'd be like, oh, I don't do that, but you should totally reach out to this other guy I work with. And I would just give them another fake email account that was also me. And I would, mm. uh, and I would just, you know, uh, pretend I was this wow. other dude that was actually an expert in medical school. The whole operation had a certain kind of rhythm to it. First, he'd get the emails, which would always go something like this. Uh, hey, man, I've never done this before. I actually never do this. It's just that this one time, you know, with the pandemic and everything, you know, I've been sick. I don't have enough time to study for this. This is very hard. It's impossible for me to pass. I haven't been able to keep up with college. 
and with online learning, it's very difficult. And then Victor would reply, always assuring them. And I was like, yeah, don't worry, like, I get many people like you, it's very tough times. I've been a teacher of uh, engineering for 15 years. I'm a trustworthy person, you can trust me, I will help you out with your exam, don't worry about it, don't worry about nothing. They'd tell him, thank you, I don't know what I'd do without you. Hey man, you're my savior, thank you very much, you don't know how much you're helping me out, like, this is the best, you're really great. They uh, ate it up. These guys were so gullible, it was unbelievable. And just like Victor once did, they'd wire the money without question. 50 euros, 150 euros. 300 euros, 250 euros. Then on exam day, he'd send the fake answers. They'd catch on. Go on, stop playing around. Stop fooling around. Just help me out, okay? I paid you a lot of money. Please And then the insults would come pouring in. You're evil. You're a son of a bitch. You motherfucker. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to find you. Like, me cago en tus muertos, hijo de puta. Te voy a matar. Me has estafado which translates into, I shit on your death ancestors. Oh my God. And then there were times when he'd get responses like from this one student who demanded his money back, and Victor told him, calm down or I'll out you to your family. And he said something that was amazing to hear. How do you think I got the money for this? And the thing is, he told me, his dad actually gave him the money to pay for this. Oh, wow. Just a rich kid being spoiled by his rich parent. Easy for Victor to not feel bad about someone like that. But sometimes when they found out they were getting scammed, the students' responses were just plain sad. Like this one student, she started opening up to Victor about what was going on in her life. And he felt kind of moved. She was telling me that she didn't have friends at school, so she couldn't really study with anyone else and all of the other guys were, you know, doing examining groups. So she was left alone and she was going to fail and everybody was passing. And I was, I was actually kind of fe- feeling kind of sad about it. Ah, I was thinking you're playing with people's futures. This is not cool. You know, you could just wire back the money. You could just tell the truth to this girl. Like, hey, you know, I'm a cheater. I'm sorry I did this. I'm going to pay you back. These thoughts like crossed my mind, but I never went with any of this. Nope, he just told her the usual, blocked her, and tried to put it behind him. But then one morning, Victor woke up, brushed his teeth, and hopped in the shower when this thought invaded his sleepy mind. The thought that I was actually being a shitty scammer just crossed my mind and just, like, woke me up so fast. Standing there covered in soap, Victor couldn't shake this feeling. For the first time, he started asking himself, what am I doing? I was thinking I was a thief. And and I was like, oh my God, I'm a thief. I'm I'm actually, I'm a, like, I'm a scumbag. I'm I'm, I'm miserable. But then he thought, well, actually, these people I'm scamming, they have no room to talk. I'm I'm just thinking I'm cheating cheaters. It, it, It evens out. If these people, these people are doing something wrong, they, they're trying to cheat the system, they're trying to cheat the other students that are trying to do things the, the honest way. So if this dude, if these guys that are trying to cheat the system get cheated out of their money because of their maliciousness, then it's their loss and, and my profit. So he thought even if he wasn't totally in the right, he wasn't totally in the wrong either. It felt like this perverse math equation that added up in his favor. My brain was like, you're harming people that are also harming other people. So it balanced Mm. it out. That's what you would remind yourself of? Yeah, that was the main thing that kept me, you know, morally sane. (laughs) 
he rinsed off, got out of the shower, and put his doubts behind him. But whether or not he felt okay with what he was doing wasn't the most relevant question. Really, the question was, how long could he pull this off for? Because building a scam is one thing. Getting away with it is another. That's after the break. It's easy to know you want to make a change in your life, but it is hard to actually do it. How to Be a Better Human from TED is a podcast for when self-help feels too daunting or maybe even unrealistic or just not for you. I'm Chris Duffy, the host of How to Be a Better Human, and trust me, I do not have it all figured out. But join me as I talk to experts about actually attainable ways we can try to improve our lives, whether it's facing fears, setting boundaries, cleaning your house without feeling like a failure, or all sorts of other topics. Find How to Be a Better Human wherever you get your podcasts. Running this whole exam scam, Victor was busy. On top of his own schoolwork, he'd spend three hours a day answering emails and messaging folks to get their business. Then on exam days, he'd take the actual test, which usually lasted about 30 minutes till they caught on his answers were BS. It was like a part-time job. During exam periods, Victor had 50 to 150 euros coming in a few times a week. And whenever it would come in and you'd see the, the money in your PayPal account, what would run through your head? I was thinking, Astro Gold, man, like, this is it. This mm-hmm. is it. Yes, side income for all of my life. He started to feel invincible, wondering, how long can I get away with this? And frankly, he felt impressed with himself. There was more to it than just the money, like building this whole system and being able to manage all of this and doing it all on my own, mm-hmm. and make a profit out of it and turn it into something lucrative and profitable. Yeah, like even talking to you, I can tell that you're a little like proud that you were able yeah. to do it and get no, away I, with and, it. And, uh, and I, I actually am. And also, I, I think of myself, this is very, uh, obviously this is very far-fetched, but have you seen the movie 21 Blackjack? Yeah. I kind of feel like that guy. Okay, so here's where our interview went off the rails a little bit. Victor started comparing himself to the lead in the PG-13 blockbuster 21, where MIT students learn to count cards and then rake in millions from Vegas casinos. It's this underground but kind of brilliant scheme. And Victor's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Yeah, like it could be a, like a budget, budget Blackjack 21 movie. And so just that like vision of yourself gives you like, it was like a high end of itself. Like that in yeah, of itself yeah, was, was like an incentive. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool thing to, to think about. A cool thing to think about for sure, but not something he could talk about. It was uh, getting kind of weird for me because I was telling nobody about it. Not even my girlfriend knew about it. Not his family, not his friends. One time he actually did bring it up to some buddies as a hypothetical. Like, hey, wouldn't it be wild if we did this literal scam I'm already doing? And they were like, uh, yeah, no. I never got the full extent of the happiness of it and how it was so cool that I built all of this and that I, I managed to make all this money out of it. Despite how badly he wanted to tell someone, he also was not trying to get caught. And like, of everyone in your life, who were you most nervous would find uh, out? Oh, my, my, my parents, definitely. If my mm-hmm. dad found out, he would have been questioning my, my values or my whatever, and I just... Yeah. I didn't want to go through that. Because, mm-hmm. like... Wait, my mom is coming in. Okay. Ah. 
right in the middle of our conversation, Victor's mom actually walked in. He told her, keep it quiet. Zero noise. Sorry, mom. Does your mom know about any of this? Uh, no, she doesn't speak English, so she, she, she just likes to listen in sometimes, but she doesn't understand anything, so it's fine. And she knows she doesn't know anything about this. She thinks I'm doing this for a job interview. What? Yeah, I mean, I told her, you know, I have an interview, and she was like, oh, cool, sure, whatever. So she doesn't understand what you're saying right now? Nah, not at all. Victor ran his scam through June finals last year, then October midterms, and again during the January exam period this year. But then one day in January, Victor was hanging out on the couch at home like usual, when he got a text message on Telegram, this encrypted messaging app he barely used. It was from a guy Victor had scammed a few months earlier in October. I open it up and it says, hey, you're, uh, you're, and he says my real name. I know where you study. You study at, he says my college, and I know who your father is, and he says my father's name, and he says, I know what your father's job is, and he says what my father's job is. This guy knew everything. He was pissed and wanted his money back, 150 euros. Now, for months, Victor had been super careful about everything, using only fake names, fake emails, fake everything, with dozens of students. Except with this guy. This guy would only do business if Victor gave him a cell phone number. So Victor did, then quickly blocked him on everything. But just the fact that Victor shared his number, that was a fatal mistake. The guy used it to find Victor on this other messaging app and then track down the rest of his info. And now the student was doing to Victor what Victor had done to others, threatening to out him. My heart starts racing and I just go full on damage control. Like I need to, like, I need to, to handle this fast and quickly and smoothly. Victor was anxiously pacing back and forth in the dining room, thinking, what am I going to do? And my mom saw me, I was like, are you nervous? What is going on? No, nothing, I'm just talking with my friend. But inside, Victor was freaking out. All of these scenarios flashed through his head. His dad yelling at him about how ashamed he is and how his scheme put the whole family at risk. The school finding out and getting expelled, trying to explain what happened to friends. As Victor paced, he tried to think of something, anything that could get him out of this. And this is when that thing Victor had done at the beginning, you know, setting all this up so that it sounded like an official business with several employees, this is when that really paid off. Remember how I told you that I sometimes would refer people to other people? Like some refer students to other teacher colleagues that also do this? I told him, hey man, uh, the account, uh, the ad is managed by a lot of people. I only help people with law schools, with law school exams. So let me get in touch with the the guy that cheated you out of your money. What? And I'll talk to you later. And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I just want my money back, man. I don't want any trouble. I just want my money. Victor thought, okay, if he was going to tell this guy that this was an actual company, he had to really play the part. A part he hadn't played yet. A customer service rep. When you complain to a big company, they're very worried that uh, the uh, customer is satisfied. So I was doing the same thing. I was like, I'm really sorry about this. This is not how we do this. We've been doing this for a long time. Victor figured the more formal he could be, the better. He let it sit for a few hours, then texted the student back. I was like, hey, I talked to to this guy. I'm telling you that he's not going to work uh, anymore with us. 
do you know of anyone else that has uh, asked for help with engineering exams? He was like, no, no, just me. And I was like, okay, good. We actually found out he cheated a lot of students. So we actually what? just, you know, we actually, and it was like, what? I was playing it like it was an actual company. And this dude was buying into it. Eating up every last word. It was totally working. Victor felt relieved and told him, don't worry, I'll transfer your money back, which he did. I told him, hey, uh, I'm, so, I'm really sorry this happened, but in the future, if you have any other exam, any other exam, <gasps> please don't you hesitate to go. Con- yes, yes, because that's what a, a company would do. I have to stick to this. And he was like, yeah, I don't think so, but thanks anyway. He said thanks anyway when he wow. quit. Wow. By this point, Victor had scammed about 30 students and made almost 2,000 euros, which he quickly invested into cryptocurrency like Bitcoin. And now I have almost 5,000 euros. <gasps> Wow, that's actually, so you've made a lot of money. Yeah. But this close call, it freaked Victor out. And he started to rethink everything, whether it was worth the risk. And after, you know, like the next day or a couple of days later, I just blocked him everywhere. I deleted every account and yeah. I decided that was it. He closed down every fake email he'd set up, took down all of his ads, shut down the business for good. Victor didn't want the next person to seek revenge or to out him. He went completely dark. If there was, like, no prospect of ever getting caught, do you think you'd still be doing it? Yes, yes, definitely. Oh, you didn't even hesitate? No, I didn't. I didn't because it was very lucrative. I was having a good time with it. I was getting money. Victor's reasons for stopping were purely practical. I kept asking him, though, if he ever felt guilty. And he said, sure, there were moments, but generally speaking, he never felt that bad messing with cheaters. This is also interesting because it's like, how do you, to me, this brings up questions of like, how do you, like, how do you decide which ethical lines are worth crossing and which ones aren't? It's up to everyone to decide for, for their own what they think is right, what they think is wrong, what lines are they willing to cross. What wouldn't you feel comfortable crossing? I mean, I mean, how do we do this? Do we start from the biggest thing and then we start lowering <laughs> down? Like, I don't think, for example, you would have done this. Um, n- no. no. You wouldn't have done this. What if it was uh, 50,000 euros, $50,000 for every exam? Would you have done this? Um, it's not a no. Like, the thing is, right now, it's not an obvious no. It's, it's turning into a maybe, right? <sighs> you're having doubts. At least you're having doubts. Uh, yeah. I, no, I, I, I don't think I would. But I guess it's like what you're trying to say is that a lot of people could be pushed to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do when there's then when the incentive sounds good enough to them. Yeah, I guess anybody given the proper incentive is willing to do anything. I guess that's a way to put it. I mean, it's obviously not. I mean, not so uh, clear cut, but to a point, it is. Victor's incentive, 50 euros, 100 euros from cheaters, it's not a lot, but he says it was totally worth it. Especially because by the moral math in his head, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Which is what I find so interesting. Victor's insistence that the students he was scamming had it coming. So what he did was not just okay. In his mind, he was actually bringing some sort of balance to the universe. I I just think I'm a morally neutral being. (laughs) If somebody's being shitty, you can scam them. Like, doing shitty things to shitty people, in my morality book, is a neutral act. 
<laughs> you keep referring to shitty people, um, but a lot of what you did is is kind of shitty, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely shitty. The the thing is, is I did it to shitty people. It's what it's what you know balances it all out. That's mm-hmm. why that's what that's why I don't think of myself as a bad guy because I did shitty things to shitty people. So that's my rationality. That's my my peace of mind. I, I get if uh, you, for example, don't don't think of it the same way I do. I mean, that's totally fine. I'm not looking yeah. for absolution. I'm not looking for uh, approval. I'm not looking for anything. I'm just sharing my my story. Victor and I went around and around on this. But after a while, with his worldview that everything is in balance when bad things happen to bad people, he started to see himself differently when he thought about all of the money he made. Now reflecting back on it, it's actually funny because these people that are being cheated out of their money, they're trying to cheat. So it balances it out because they were trying to do something bad and they got bad consequences for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm doing something bad and getting a reward for it in money. So mm-hmm. I guess in that way, you know, if you think of it, if you look at it this way, you could say, I am an actual shitty person. So I feel like that goes against a bit of what you're saying about this, this like moral neutrality idea. Well, it's not a perfect system. We aren't often pushed to actually articulate how we justify our actions, especially the questionable ones. Usually it's this silent process, these mental gymnastics you do in your head, weighing your actions against others, creating a set of rules, then breaking those rules and telling yourself it's okay. A way to live life and still come out the hero of your own story. Victor, by the way, makes money these days working part-time at a corporate job, plans to graduate in a few months to become an engineer, and fully put this chapter of scamming behind him. All right, that is all for this week's episode and for this season. We're going to take a much-needed break, but we will be back with new episodes this fall. In the meantime, we really want to stay in touch with y'all, which you can do by signing up for our weekly newsletter. You'll get a note from me about what's on my mind, plus exclusive listener stories and some fun recommendations on things to watch and read and listen to. Also, it's a good place to get some updates on the new season. You can subscribe at marketplace.org slash comfort. All right, this is Uncomfortable as me, Rima Hreis, Megan Dietrich, Haley Hirschman, Peter Balanon Rosen, and Camila Kerwin. Peter Balanon Rosen lead produced this episode. Our intern is Serena Chow. Our editor is Karen Duffin. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Scoring and audio engineering by Charlton Thorpe. Satar Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, I'll catch y'all this fall. <laughs>